SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after on a Wednesday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. But we are going to have many, many great guests over the next two hours join me on this show to give you perspectives around the entire sports landscape i'm talking baseball i'm talking golf i'm talking more college basketball i'm talking football as well at this moment we are going to have a great wednesday in store for you here all the morning after on sports grid and here at sports grid we are always constantly looking to improve the experience we provide for our listeners viewers and users of our product the best way to do that is to get input from our most important sources listeners and viewers like you we'd very much appreciate you taking a brief survey at survey.sportsgrid.com if that's too much just scan this qr code qr code right here on the screen but again that's survey.sportsgrid.com we'd really love to hear from you your feedback helps us improve our programming and will shape what we create next uh, scan the qr code right there just scan it scan it it's like you're going to a restaurant you need to look at a menu Scan that QR code or survey.sportsgrid.com. We appreciate your time and the strive to always give you the winning edge. We need to hear the edge from you to get better. Feedback is always important. So as we get going here on the second hour of the morning after on this Wednesday, let's look at a huge game in college basketball tonight in Charlottesville, Virginia, figuring out the ACC to the best of our abilities it's duke and uva in a rematch of a thriller just over two weeks ago inside cameron indoor in which the wahoos went there and got a win the cavaliers stunning the blue devils on their own home floor thanks to a reese beekman final second three-pointer to pull off the upset victory 69 68 over duke just over two weeks ago but now we have a game tonight in charlottesville and duke is a five point road favorite against UVA the over understands at 130 that first meeting Virginia won outright in Cameron as an 11 point underdog they will be an underdog tonight in fact the line has worked in favor of the Duke Blue Devils now up to five points and it will be the first game for Virginia as a home underdog all year long Duke on the road this year five and three against the spread since that loss at home to Virginia just over two weeks ago Duke has rattled off four straight wins they are nine and seven against the number in ACC play booked as a favorite in all 16 of their conference games up until this point overall this season Virginia has been an underdog eight times they are four and four against the spread but in every cover for Virginia they have won outright as well this total tonight of 130 for Virginia is the highest for the Cavaliers in over a month. Duke has only had one total below 
135 points. That was the total the first time these two teams met inside Cameron Indoor just over two months ago or over a month or two weeks ago. That's the timeline. Duke and Virginia for that total was 128 and a half. It went over with a final score finishing 69-68. Again, Virginia winning outright on the road as an 11-point underdog. Yet to be a home dog all year. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here the second hour of the morning after right here on the Spiz Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well i am ben stevens a huge night in the acc a huge game between number seven duke and virginia virginia pulling off the upset in durham just over two weeks ago winning outright as an 11 point underdog tonight a five point dog right now on that live line on the FanDuel Sportsbook with a total of 130, the second lowest for Duke all year, the highest for Virginia in more than a month. So this is a big game for the ACC because the perennial powerhouse in college basketball hasn't lived up to that billing all year long. Duke is the best team in the ACC. They are favored at a price more than minus 10 or minus 1,000 to win the ACC conference. But we're trying to figure out the other teams from the ACC that are going to make the NCAA tournament. So let's look at some of the ACC hopefuls right now. We include five teams on this board, including Virginia and their odds to reach the final four. So UVA is 60 to one right now to reach the final four. I'm not entirely sure Virginia even makes the field of 68 if they beat Duke and sweep the season series tonight at home, then I think their resume gets a whole heck of a lot better and might be the ticket they need to punch to get a berth into the big dance. But let's look at the other teams at the top of that board because it's not just figuring out which teams from the ACC. Will it be four or five bids? But once those teams make it, how will they perform once we get to the month of March? Wake Forest right now, the shortest odds outside of Duke to reach the Final Four from the ACC. 30 to 1. Notre Dame and Miami and North Carolina all at 40 to 1 as well. Relatively long odds for every team right now in the ACC outside of Duke. Duke is plus 270 to reach the final four. A long, long drop off to the next shortest price, Wake Forest at 30 to 1. We talked about conferences around the country and their odds and how the value stacks up as a league to maybe win a national title. It is a much longer game for the ACC right now, plus 950, the sixth best price of any conference to win a national championship. An update on the Major League Baseball lockout next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on a jam-packed Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. We have a jam-packed Wednesday because we have so many great guests joining the show over the course of the next two hours right here on TMA. And the first one up, it is Burt Murray, a national MLB writer for Fansided, here to provide, if there is any, an update to the Major League Baseball lockout. And hopefully the progress that is happening this week 
in Jupiter, Florida. Bert, welcome back to the show. We are glad to have you here once again. Hey, thank you for having me. I have more optimism this time, by the way, so we're off to a better start. Which is good because the last time we spoke, just about a week and a half ago, it felt like progress wasn't really happening. The two sides were meeting, but where was the ground to be made up? Now you're saying you're more optimistic. Why, Bert? Yeah, like it's not, the optimism doesn't stem from progress in, in talks because there's been minimal so far in the first two meetings in Jupiter, Florida. But there is a consensus throughout the people that I've talked to that the t February 28th deadline is going to provide some urgency from both sides. And we may see some movement um, later on this week. I highly doubt we end up having a deal in place by the end of the week just because there's so much ground to be made up. Um, but I think next week, probably later in the week, there's a at least somewhat realistic chance that we have a deal in place. And, and maybe that means like a different looking season in 2022, but maybe not as far off as like most people thought. So, Bert, it seems right now that the Players and the Players Association are meeting with the league and the owners virtually every single day, multiple times a day, down there in Jupiter, Florida. What are the things being negotiated that are still the key sticking points for a deal getting brokered? Yeah, like you see a lot of these different things, and it's a lot of it stems from the player's salary. They still want to be paid more, and they're like inching closer to it. Um, not a whole lot. You also see the, the lottery for the draft. Um, the players ended up wanting at least eight lottery picks while the owners were proposing four or three. And there's been some movement there. Um, but the biggest issue stems from the CBT. And that's going to be the biggest hurdle in these negotiations. And they still have not even talked about that um, in these first two days. So, um like those are the three biggest ones and the biggest hurdle has not yet been discussed which um, i would imagine that's going to end up happening in the in the near future here bert can you explain in layman's terms to the best of your ability what the cbt is and what it is, it is asking for at the moment yeah i think a lot of it stems from the players wanting more competition they don't want these owners to be incentivized by tanking um and the players simply want more competition and i understand it because if you're a star player on a bad team like look at what nolan arenado was with the colorado rockies star player on a team that did not actively try to win um and it frustrated him to the point where he demanded a trade after a year after signing a almost 300 million dollar contract um so a lot of it to me stems from the players wanting more competition and the owners to this point they like they want to have that incentive to not try to win just because they want to end up having to make more money. And that's what it all stems from is trying to make more. Um, so like that's going to end up being a huge hurdle. That's going to take some time to, to agree to. Um, and I just don't know the exact time frame for something like that. And as we saw right there in one of your tweets at by Robert Murray on Twitter, that although they're meeting a lot, the negotiations haven't really ramped up, but they are meeting. And I guess in that essence, there is progress or at least a beneficial start. Bert, there's also been a lot in terms of the reporting around this lockout about the players asking for better arbitration for younger players that are in Major League Baseball. Can you explain that a little bit more in terms of what is being negotiated right now in Jupiter? Yeah, so players want to end up hitting free agency sooner um, instead of having to wait six or seven years of dealing with salary arbitration. So like that is number one 
And also number two is trying to figure out how these pay, how these players are going to be paid in salary arbitration. Um, the owners ended up proposing something about using Fangraphs' war um, as like the key tool to that. And I just mm-hmm. can't see that being like a realistic scenario where the players actually agree to something like that. Um, but simply it's players wanting to be going to free agency sooner and having less years of arbitration just because the sooner you hit free agency, the more you can maximize your value. And that's where it all comes down to the, the money factor. And like that, I know people are going to be frustrated when they hear about money being the driving force behind the lockout because it's billionaires versus millionaires. But um, like that, that's simply like for a salary arbitration case, like that's exactly what this is. I think if you're shocked right now that money is the holdup, then you really aren't paying attention to anything that works in the world because money is always the bottom line. But the idea of arbitration and the players having more agency to control their future outcomes versus the owners dictating that, I think is a huge sticking point for both sides right now. Interesting, Bert, that the owners are looking at the analytics and the sabermetrics and using wins above replacement as a way to have anything in the context of this conversation. So we've heard also, Bert, a lot about the timeline of when this needs to get done for the regular season to start on time. We know that spring training has already been delayed. What does the timeline look like over the next couple of days? Yeah, so the deadline that the owners have set is February 28th for the regular season to be able to start on time. That's at least when they believe a deal needs to be in place for it to start. I, I've i talked to multiple people on the player's side who are kind of not sure if that's like an actual firm deadline. Um, and they think it can end up being extended a little bit later, maybe around the, like the March 3rd area, um, just because it only took them three weeks to get ramped up from um, from the COVID-shortened season. Um, so mm. I, I know the three-week time frame in that sense was pretty fast for the players, and it's going to end up resulting in it resulted in injury concerns, and it's probably going to end up being the same case again. So um, I would imagine these teams are going to end up having to ramp up their players pretty shortly or pretty – it's going to have to be a smooth – or it's not going to be a smooth process is how I want to phrase that. Right. Um, they're going to have to take it slow because they don't want to end up having to deal with these injury concerns like they did in years past because it really tested a lot of these teams' depth um, and resulted in like kind of a, an obstacle that these teams knew was coming but didn't realize it was going to be so significant. So February 28th, the big day that hopefully a deal is done. And once that deal is done, Bert, as we discussed last week, we look at the value on the FanDuel Sportsbook to be the World Series champion. The Dodgers have the shortest price at plus 600. It makes sense. They're $4 ahead of where the Houston Astros are. But as you peel through this board, there are 11 teams within $10 of each other, which to us, Bert, means there is a lot of value on this board. So one of the longer prices there, maybe in the range of the Brewers or the Red Sox or the Cardinals, who do you think presents some value as a longer shot to compete for a World Series once we actually have games? You know, I'll give you three of those. I'll look at the White Sox just because I firmly end up, I expect them to add some decent-sized pieces. I've heard Michael Conforto connected to them quite a bit. Um, mm. And that would end up being a really nice piece for the White Sox to add. Uh, the Padres, like they look at the roster that they have. They have a ton of talent on that team, headlined by Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. They got a new manager in Bob Melvin, who a lot of people fully expect is going to be able to maximize that talent. Um, 
and I, I would expect their pitching staff to be better, especially with Mike Clevenger returning at at some point during the season, although I don't think either side knows when that's going to be. Um, and then you also look at Toronto. That that core that they have um, mm. is really intriguing, and I would fully expect them to add a decent-sized piece once the lockout is over. Um, you hear them connected to a shortstop, maybe like a Carlos Correa or a Trevor Story. I also wonder if they could be in on like a Freddie Freeman type. So um, their core now is good, but like there's potential for a lot more here. Burt Murray, a national Major League Baseball writer for Fansided. Once the lockout is over, not only will we need updates on value, but free agency is going to begin again. Burt, thank you so much for your time. We'll talk very soon. More of TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Even in the final week of February, when college basketball is front and center as we approach March, even though the all-star break in the NBA is coming to a close and games resume tomorrow, Major League Baseball latest with the lockout and hopefully spring training happens, never forget one thing here on the morning after on SportsGrid. The NFL news, even the offseason, does not slow down, and it does not stop. You are watching the morning after right here on SportsGrid and listening on Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, now very pleased to welcome on Matt Schneidman, the Green Bay Packers reporter for The Athletic, who has been a very busy man over the last 48 hours or so, I would assume. Matt, thank you for joining the show once again on this Wednesday. Appreciate you having me. As always, how's it going? I'm doing very well, Matt. Both of us went to the outstanding institution in central New York known as Syracuse University. When you left SU with your wonderful broadcast degree and your journalism degree, did you ever expect to use it in trying to decipher a cryptic Instagram post late on a Monday night? No, but, you know, they didn't even tell me that came with the job when when I took this job uh, after I'd been in the business for a couple weeks. Listen, that's the good thing about covering the Packers. It's never dull. And, and as a beat writer, you want to cover a team that's always relevant. You don't want to cover a team that is just blah. Nobody cares about them. People care about the Packers. People care about Aaron Rodgers. So I'll never complain about covering the Packers. But it is kind of hard to decipher what he means sometimes. I certainly thought he was going to go on with Pat McAfee yesterday and then announce his decision one way or the other, whether it's I'm retiring or uh, I want to stay with the Packers or maybe even, which I think is the least likely option at this point, I want to play somewhere else. Alas, he started off his appearance by saying there will be no update today and we will have to wait long. So uh, the clock ticks on in this. I don't expect it to go on much longer. Um, I know people are saying, oh, he said he wouldn't drag it out. But I think the decision, uh, what the Packers do with Devontae Adams is tied into this a lot and they have a uh, couple weeks to do that now. We talked to general manager Brian Gutekunst today for the first time since before the season, so it'll be interesting to see what he has to say, and I'm sure plenty more news will come out of that. Yes, I think Aaron Rodgers know that we are all waiting with bated breath to see 
what his decision is going to be and thus maybe having a little fun or as he would put it expressing gratitude following a 12-day cleanse either way Matt you mentioned it and Aaron has also said that he is not going to drag out this process sooner rather than later he will let us know his decision for the upcoming season in the NFL what do you think that timeline looks like right now for Aaron Rodgers yeah, well, we know it's going to be before the start of free agency on March 16th. Something he has said is he wouldn't delay the decision so as to hamstring the franchise with other things they do. You know, last offseason, it hamstrung them a little bit uh, because, because it came right after the draft. It kind of threw them in a tizzy then. Um, they had to go through the whole offseason preparing Jordan Love to start, not knowing if he was going to start, um, and, and then, you know, really being indecisive all throughout the, the summer months. This year, Rodgers has vowed to make that decision in time so that the Packers can, you know, act in free agency and the draft accordingly. You know, in free agency, if Rodgers retires, they're going to need to sign another quarterback. So uh, that is part of the reason why uh, he, he said he would make his decision in, in due time. Now, Rodgers and the organization are on much better standing than they were at this point last offseason. So I think um, if I know him well enough that, that he would act in good faith with this decision to, you know, not completely screw over the Packers. Yes, if he retires, which I think is still a possibility, they wouldn't get any draft picks in return uh, compared to, you know, if they traded him somewhere, if they even are willing to trade him. But like I said, I do think Rodgers wants to see Devontae Adams get paid like the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. He would love for them to extend him. I don't know if that's going to happen. He realizes that's part of the business, but I certainly think it would help trying to draw Rodgers back if he is assured that Devontae Adams will be here for the next couple of years. I'm not, like I said, I'm not so sure that's going to happen since the franchise tag would be easier for the Packers to execute, even though right now it wouldn't open up as much cap space as an extension would, but uh, we should find out here in the next couple of weeks since teams have until March 8th, the franchise tag players. And although Aaron did not announce his decision for his football future, he did say yesterday on the Pat McAfee show that he hopes that Devontae Adams gets the long-term deal that he is deserving of for the Green Bay Packers. But earlier this week in the NFL, you can start putting franchise tags on players in your organization. And Devontae Adams is certainly a candidate. So when you speak or hear from Brian Gutenkutz later this afternoon, what do you expect to hear, Matt? You know, I plan to ask him, are you going to tag Devontae Adams? And I expect his answer to be, that's a decision we're still working through. I would bet a significant amount of money um, hypothetically, that Brian Gutekunst will not say definitively one way or the other. Now, a franchise tag would lock in Devontae Adams with a 20.12 salary this year. That becomes fully guaranteed once he signs the franchise tag. That would count against the cap right away. Now, if they extend him on, say, you know, a five-year, $125 million deal, you know, hypothetically, they could get that cap number this year all the way down to around $9 million. So they could free up about $11 million in cap space immediately, not down the road, but if they're looking for immediate relief by giving him an extension. Obviously, that's something they've thought of because they know the cap a lot better than I do, but I expect it to be the franchise tag. You know, prior reports mm -hmm. have said that's what they're leaning toward. 
Uh, Devontae Adams certainly does not want the franchise tag. No player does. Uh, he kind of sidestepped the issue a couple months ago when we asked him how he would feel about getting franchise tag. But, yeah, I don't expect anything definitive from Brian Gutekunst today. Maybe he does say it. Maybe he does say um, we're going to franchise tag him. But uh, regardless, I highly expect that to be the decision they come to one way or the other. Matt, I think it's been an interesting conversation around Aaron Rodgers and where the best spot is for him if he decides he still wants to play football in the NFL. And right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Green Bay Packers are tied for the second best odds to win the NFC Championship next year at plus 600. Only behind the reigning Super Bowl champion now, Los Angeles Rams at plus 450. Matt, in my mind, it would seem that the Packers still present Aaron Rodgers the best opportunity to go and win not only a conference crown, but a Super Bowl championship as well. What do you make of that conversation around Aaron Rodgers' best spot to play winning football next year? I think it's definitely the Packers. I think there's no question about that. You, you could say there are other teams in better cap situations like, you know, the Broncos or the Steelers or, I don't know, the Dolphins or other teams in the NFC. But you look at the NFC North, it might be the weakest division in football, or, or I should say the one with the least amount of depth with the Vikings, Bears, and Lions there. And Aaron Rodgers knows that. He's not dumb. Uh, he, he knows that his best chance to make it to the playoffs, get a one seed, get a bye, win the division, is in the NFC North. I think right now it's down to retire or stay with the Packers. From what he said, reading between the lines, and this is not an exact science like we talked about, it <laughs> seems like his decision is between retiring and staying with the Packers. Now, could he go to Brian Gutekunst in a week and say, you franchise tag Devontae Adams, that's not what he deserves, I want to trade to the Broncos? possible especially because one of his favorite coaches nathaniel hackett is there uh the pat former packers tight ends coach justin out is now their offensive coordinator and they do have a good roster but will aaron Rodgers want to go compete for a division title with justin herbert patrick mahomes and even Derek carr i don't know i don't know if he's talking about his legacy this late in his career he could miss the playoff and that would do even more damage than you know making the playoffs and losing in the divisional round or the NFC championship game again, I believe. So he knows his best chance to win is here in Green Bay, and that's just part of the reason why I think it's down to the Packers or retirement. Yeah, I think the path to the NFC is so much easier. So, Matt, you mentioned it. It's between the Packers or retirement more than likely. This is a betting program on a betting network. If you had to say, what would be the favorite right now? Aaron Rodgers retires or Aaron Rodgers returns to Green Bay which of those two options do you think is the betting favorite at the moment? I would say returns to Green Bay. Um, and here's something we haven't talked about. Packers hired Tom Clements to, to be their quarterback's coach, a 68-year-old who just came out of retirement. He's one of Rodgers' favorite coaches ever. In, in my three years covering the team, he has brought up Tom Clements unprompted and praised him for his development more times than I can count. I understand Rodgers hasn't made a decision concretely, at least publicly yet. I do not think Tom Clements comes out of retirement to coach the Packers unless he has gotten word from Aaron Rodgers or strongly believes, based on knowing Aaron Rodgers, that he will be back in Green Bay. Sure, Tom Clements is a good developer of young quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, one of them, when, when he started coaching him in 2006, 
you know, could be for Jordan Love, was for Kyler Murray in Arizona. But I don't see him coming out of retirement at age 68 to coach starting quarterback Jordan Love. And that's just one of the reasons I think Aaron Rodgers ultimately comes back. Sure, he doesn't have a fear of retirement anymore, but he knows he can still play. I don't think he retires with this much left on the table. Certainly can still play back-to-back NFL MVP for Aaron Rodgers. That kind of insight, knowing the quarterback's coach in Green Bay, only comes from the Packers beat by Matt Schneidman. Joining us here on the morning after. Matt, as always, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the press conference with Brian Gutenkunz this afternoon. Appreciate it, Ben. More of the morning after and some NFL news and notes from the offseason up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The NFL news cycle never stops spinning, even here in the offseason. And we break that down right now on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, very pleased right now to welcome on Ari Mayrov, covering all things NFL for PFF and one of the best informational sources you will find in all of Twitter at my sports update on Twitter as well. Ari, thank you for joining the show. We appreciate your time on this Wednesday. Ben, thanks for having me on. And yes, you're right. I mean, we're going to have a very interesting offseason coming up. We have the combine next week. That's where all the gossip happens and all the chatting happens. And I'm looking forward to what we're going to have over here. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. The combine next week. Then we get into free agency. Then the NFL draft. The NFL truly never stops and remains king at all times. All right. We just had Matt Schneidman, the Packers beat reporter for the Green Bay Packers on The Athletic, discussing some of the drama surrounding the Aaron Rodgers situation the cryptic Instagram post on late Monday night into early Tuesday morning his appearance yesterday on the Pat McAfee show as you have observed this situation what do you think Aaron Rodgers next move will be you know the crazy thing about Aaron is that ever since their season ended I've probably gone back and forth on every possible scenario because and I kind of have a feeling that he wants us to do that like he even like his MVP speech right I'm, I'm gonna thank the two guys I really hated last year but I'll also mention um thank you for 17 years and then the Instagram post you know thanking everybody people who were there people are Jordan love you know he, he kind of does it in a way where I think he wants us to to you know think every possible you know outcome but you know the more that time moves on the more that we see things going on in green bay like for example this morning where they restructure a contract to clear up cap space like hiring a tom clements at quarterbacks coach like matt just mentioned a 68 year old coming out of retirement one of his favorite coaches ever that he's had in the nfl somebody who really during that period of mike mccarthy in the end where it got a little bit you know a little bit tough the guy who really held it all together was him, Tom Clement. So, like, somebody well-respected to bring him out of retirement, it's hard to believe that he would come back to go and coach Jordan Love. So all signs would point to him coming back. And also, you know, people have mentioned retirement, and, you know, I could see it maybe happening. But I believe Aaron is a very calculated type of a guy. And I believe, you know, yeah. Tom Brady just retired. Both these guys are first ballot Hall of Famers, but Tom Brady's the GOAT. You're going to be going into the Hall of Fame with Tom Brady, and he's going to be the main event, not you. 
I feel like Aaron's the type of guy to think about that. So I think he's still going to play another year. And um, I'm leaning towards Packers, but you never know if Aaron, but I'm leaning towards returning to Green Bay. And poor Ben Roethlisberger, if he had to go into the Hall of Fame with both Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But you're right, Ari. Tom Brady has retired as of right now from the NFC and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Quarterback uncertainty at the moment with Green Bay and what Aaron Rodgers' decision will be. It seems like it will be Trey Lance for the future of the San Francisco 49ers. There seems to be some uncertainty around the quarterback position in the NFC, which might mean there's some value in finding some teams as we look forward to next season. Because in my mind, Ari, it seems the NFC is rather up in the air. What do you make of the path as you already approach the conference championship race for next year in the NFC? I mean, it's going to be wide open. I mean, compared to the AFC, if you're a team like, I don't know, give me, give me like on the Browns. I mean, you have Baker Mayfield. You have to look up at Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and all these big time quarterbacks. The NFC really doesn't have that. I mean, you got Stafford, Rodgers, Dak, Kyler. Who knows what's going on over there? You don't have those big time quarterbacks. Russell Wilson. Who knows what happens there in Seattle? So like, you have all those situations. It's like it's really up in the air, and that's what really makes this offseason so fascinating. Because let's just use a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Obviously, there is um, a legal situation which is still ongoing. Let's just say it gets to a point where he's going to be available for trade, and a team is ready to trade for him. If you're an NFC team and you're looking at the situation in the NFC right now and you're comfortable with the situation Deshaun Watson is in, and you know he's one of those elite quarterbacks, how do you not at least go out and try to trade for him? Because you're going to have one of the top guys in a conference that right now really doesn't have that top team. You know, again, we don't know what's going to happen in Green Bay. We know the Rams just won, but, you know, year two, when's the last time we had a repeat champion? So really, I don't really know what to expect in the NFC. We have a long offseason ahead. But if you're one of these teams and you have a mid-tier quarterback, I don't know how you don't look around and say, let's look for an upgrade. Because really, ultimately what matters is getting one of these top guys so we could actually move forward in this NFC. Yeah, Ari, I think that's a great point. Very up in the air right now, which might present some value even here at the end of February in the offseason. But it seems to be a different story on the other side of things. In the AFC, certainly according to the odds the buffalo bills and the kansas city chiefs very short prices buffalo at plus 350 to win the afc title the chiefs only 30 cents behind at plus 380 so ari do you believe that the afc as of right now is a two-team race as the odds certainly indicate i think it's it's difficult to say it's a two-team race again when just just focus on the quarterback talent that is in the AFC. And again, that's really what matters in the NFL. If you have a top elite quarterback, anything can really happen for you, as we've seen so many years in a row, right? You know, all the top guys are in the Super Bowl. So when you have all those quarterbacks there, and again, we don't know what's going to happen with some other guys who could ultimately also end up joining the AFC, it's hard to say it's a two-team race. You know, Lamar Jackson will be back healthy in Baltimore. That's a team... Eric DaCosta, very smart GM, does well with drafting, knows how to run things. You can't count them out. You know, you look around the AFC, it's tough to say that those two teams are the only ones. I think the Chargers, they didn't make the playoffs this past year. We all love Justin Herbert. 
We know that's a team that um, has a lot of talent. And again, Tom Telesco has shown these last couple of years he's willing now to spend in free agency now that he knows he has a quarterback on that rookie contract. What are they going to do this offseason? So it's difficult for me to say it's only a two-team race. I think there's a bunch of teams in the AFC out there. And again, the Bengals as well. I mean, we know what they have to focus on, the offensive line. There are a number of really good offensive linemen who will be hitting the market this offseason. They are most likely to be aggressive in that market. I know there's it's a little bit of the nitty-gritty, but the way they structure contracts is a little bit of, of a topic among agents right now. But that's a different story. But like they're going to have to go out there and work on the offensive line. If they do, that's a very young, talented team who just made the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I can't say it's a two-team race. Those two teams obviously are going to be in it, but um, the AFC is wide open. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of value, too, based on where the odds are. The Cincinnati Bengals, 10-1. to 1. The Chargers, part of a group of five teams at 13-1. to 1. So, Ari, we're about three weeks away from the start of the NFL free agency period. What are you monitoring over the next couple of weeks that will lead us up to when free agency begins in the NFL? Well, I think, really, first of all, before free agency, I think just the quarterback situations have to be resolved. And I think all those guys that we've already mentioned, you know, like last year at this time, we already had a Stafford trade. We already had a Carson Wentz trade. We had a bunch of other stuff that were in the works. Rodgers has to make a decision. Russell Wilson has to let Seattle know what's going on. And then Kyler Murray and his drama in Arizona, which has cooled down a little bit, but I think it's gotten too quiet to a point where it should be comfortable. Keep an eye on that as well. You have all these different quarterback situations before free agency that we have to monitor. From there, of course, we have this franchise tag period. We expect to have at least seven, eight guys to be tagged here this year. Devontae Adams is one. Jesse Bates in Cincinnati, if no extension is there, will likely get to tag. And then for agency, I think there's a bunch of really interesting names out there, especially in the tight end market. I mean, look at a guy like Dalton Schultz, Mike Gesicki, um, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, a bunch of guys who, um, Hayden Hurst, you know, a bunch of guys, Rob Gronkowski, you, you, you could keep on going on and on, right? I think that market will be very interesting because it's been, it's been a while since we have, we've had a loaded tight end market. And it feels like a lot of the top guys or mid-tier guys are all free agents this year. I'm curious to see how that market all unfolds here this offseason. But there are a bunch of great positions, great players will be out there, and it's going to be interesting to see what, um, what unfolds there. Ari Mayrov joining us here on the morning after on this Wednesday, covering all things NFL for PFF. And again, one of the best sources on Twitter, at my sports update as well. So Ari, you bring up Russell Wilson. The conversation that we just had about the uncertainty surrounding the quarterback position in the NFC. What do you think is the likelihood of Russell Wilson finding a new NFL team to play for next season? All right, so I just did a show with Adam Schefter on my on my show on YouTube, and we discussed this for a good 20 minutes because my standpoint on it was like, listen, he wanted out last year when they were winning. This year they had a losing season. They don't even have a first-round pick. Why would he not want out, right? Adam came back with, a, you know, listen, last year he came up to them right away. So far it's February 22nd, 23rd. He has not done so yet. The more days that go by – the less likelier he gets moved. That was his standpoint at this point in time right now. I have a hard time seeing it where they didn't change anything. Again, they don't have a first-round pick. Their salary cap is not in a terrible spot, but it's not in a great spot. Their offensive line is what it is, and that division is just insane, as we all know. I have a hard time believing that he still wants to stay there after what we saw last year. But at the same time, like Adam said, he has not done anything yet. He has not come up to Seattle yet and said, I want out. Or these are the teams that I would go with. And he has a no trade clause. But, you know, it's it's a very tough situation. What I mentioned to Adam is like, 
Russell is a very self-image cautious guy. He doesn't want to be the guy who forces his way out of Seattle where the fans don't like him and it's like, why would you leave us? He wants to be more of a Matthew Stafford departing where I left Detroit. It was a peaceful way. Um, you know, Detroit is still rooting for me. I'm in L.A. I won the Super Bowl. They were the second, you know, um, when it comes to the ratings, Detroit was number two behind Cincinnati, like that, that type of a thing. <laughs> yeah. And when I come back to Seattle, when I retire, ring of honor, everyone's clapping. My jersey's retired. That's the way he wants to leave. And so far, it hasn't really gone. He kind of wants to be in a way where they're breaking up with me, not I'm breaking up with them. So far, nothing has really happened there. So I think it's definitely something to monitor. But the fact he hasn't done anything yet, the season has been, season has been over for over a month for Seattle. It definitely is a little bit eye-popping. But we have a few more weeks until we get to the new league year and anything could happen. The Seahawks 16-1 to to win the NFC title next year. The longest odds out of the four teams from the NFC West division. We mentioned it as well. Tom Brady has announced his retirement from football at the moment. So if that is the case, Ari, what do you expect the Buccaneers to do at the QB spot next season? Yeah, you know, Tampa Bay definitely has a, um, a a bunch of key free agents this offseason, including guys like Carlton Davis and Chris Godwin. But it's a roster that still has a bunch of key players. And really, just looking at the NFC South, I mean, that division, I mean, Sean Payton's out. The Panthers, the Falcons are still in rebuildish mode. You know, that team is still there to win that division. And it's going to be most likely a team that looks out and tries to find a veteran on the market. There are a number of guys out there. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's a name to watch. You could go out and look at a bunch of other guys who are available out there. I think it's the team that needs to go out there and go and find a veteran because it's a team that is still ready to win right now, despite the fact Tom Brady is not there. Um, you know, they do have Kyle Trask. They did draft him in the second round. They do really like him. I just don't think they're ready to hand it over to him. So I think this is a team they have um, – all or most of their draft picks, they have a first-round pick and everything, they could go out and make a move if they have to to go find the veteran to replace Tom Brady and still be competitive next year. And that's likely the scenario Jason Light will take. The Bucks 13-1 to to win the NFC crown next year. The best odds out of all four teams from the NFC South, which will be a fascinating division to watch with plenty of new faces now that we haven't seen in years past. Ari Mayrov covering the NFL for PFF at my sports update on Twitter. Catch his conversation with Adam Schefter for the storylines that you need to know in this NFL offseason. So much to go with the combine, the draft, free agency. Ari, we'll need some more updates here on the morning after as well. Thank you so much for your time on this Wednesday. I appreciate you having me on. All the best, guys. A lot of quarterback uncertainty in the NFC, as we discussed. Less in the AFC, a very competitive conference moving forward to next year with young quarterbacks across the entire conference. We look at that market to finish out our number two of the morning after on a Wednesday right here on SportsGrid. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our second hour together here on a Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159 and all across the SportsGrid network. 
I am Ben Stevens. We have looked a lot at the National Football League in this offseason over this second hour. Both the storylines you need to know and the quarterback uncertainty in Green Bay and the rest of the NFC. That doesn't really seem to be the case in the AFC, a very competitive conference with many young quarterbacks to boot where there might be some value in the future odds outright to win that conference crown next year in the 2022 NFL campaign. We take a look at where the value might be right now in buy or sell. Ari Mayrov of PFF gave you his opinion on this very question in buy or sell, but when you look at the odds board right now to win the AFC crown next season, it is a very distinct price difference between where Buffalo and Kansas City sit and the rest of the entire conference. Buffalo the favorite at plus 350. Kansas City the second best price, only 30 cents behind at plus 380. Then over a $6 drop off to the reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals tied at 10 to 1 with the Baltimore Ravens. So are we buying or are we selling that Buffalo and Kansas City should be this short right now on Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022, approaching next year. It makes sense why the market is valuing Buffalo and Kansas City. I don't think you can look at that divisional round matchup, the best football game these two eyes have ever seen in Arrowhead between Buffalo and Kansas City and think that there are a multitude of teams that can compete with that. But that being said, I am selling this notion on how short the prices are because there is value, especially value, on other teams right now, potentially the Chargers at 13 to 1, the Titans, the number one seed last year in the AFC playoffs at 13 to 1, or maybe even the Bengals to run it back once more, 10 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We get to happy hour, hour number three on the other side of the break, right here on Sports Grid in the morning after.